we'd like to welcome you back to our fourth and final part of our current event and weekly Bible study for 7-29, or July 29th, 2019. And the next report, we're going to switch gears again. This is entitled The Kinsey Agenda, Alfred Kinsey, Unmasking the Sexual Revolution and Exploitation of Children. What this devil started, this Kinsey guy, is uh, you're seeing the perverted fruits of it in a large part due to what he started with his research and how it was amalgamated into uh, textbooks and things of this nature and this guy is a devil's devil and uh, this is a, just a short video that's going to expose that <clears throat> now just a short description with people like Oren Amate singing the praises of Alfred Kinsey we need to know more about who this man was and what it says about Amatre and his ilk. Amatre and James Cantor, who, who has suggested that giving pedophiles life-like life child sex dolls, child sex dolls, might be good. Both promote the idea that pedophiles are born that way, and so that, that lets them off the hook. And that somehow there is a bait and switch in the brain that makes people sexually attracted to children. No, it's a demon possession. It's a demon infestation. Okay, and that we must, and that we must thus be kind to the poor, helpless pedophiles or child molesters, and maybe even get them lifelike child sex dolls to have sex with. Judith Reisman has spent a large portion of her life fighting the Kinsey plague that is now consuming much of the planet like an out-of-control STD. So let's hear what Judith has to say. I met up with Dr. Judith Reisman, a world historian in the destruction of human sexuality. Dr. Reisman is recognized as an expert witness exposing the sex industry's hidden agenda. Playboy well, sued magazine. you or you sued Playboy? No, Playboy sued me libel and slander and what happened so playboy hugh hefner the devil himself sued her for lander and slot uh, slander and libel what? she's fought the pornography industry for decades and even won a lawsuit against playboy so how did we get here to where we're at today because i don't think pornography has always been such an epidemic cancer within our society like it is today no not at all uh we were up to the end of the second world war now she dr judith reisman phd author of stolen honor stolen innocence a conservative judeo-christian nation the turning point for all that was dr alfred kinsey his book sexual behavior in the human male 1948 he was the father of the sexual revolution and therefore the father of everything that has come from that and certainly one of the key things was pornography dr alfred kinsey ushered the destruction of our nation's moral code with his books sexual behavior in the human male and sexual behavior in the human female known as the kinsey reports uh, they're all based on lies but yeah i mean i can't imagine how white hot in hell this guy's burning and the thing is is the fruits of his efforts are even being more magnified today i don't know how that works in hell when you know you're in hell and yet the fruits that you produced in your life are still manifesting and manifesting i mean i don't know how that as far as a punishment thing goes i, I, I shudder to think 
the world recognized him as the leading scientific expert on human sexuality. The reports claim that humans were sexual from birth and that what we deemed as immoral sexual behavior was actually normal, thus making it moral. Once a biologist who studied gall wasp, Kinsey's obsession with sexuality led him to found the Kinsey Institute for Sex Research at Indiana State University. What people to this day are not aware of were the methods he used to collect his data. And I looked at the graphs that he provided, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34 tables, and I said, wait a minute, that's a two-month-old baby. What, how does he know a two-month-old baby did or did not have an orgasm? And then table 34, a four-year-old child, uh, 26 orgasms in 24 hours? That's an around-the-clock experiment. Which is a physical impossibility at that age. Wow, that's torture. That's torture, you bet. He also actually employed bona fide pedophiles to, uh, to do what they did to children for his so-called data. Kinsey wanted to prove that we are sexual from birth, so it wasn't surprising that he drew his data from pedophiles, rapists, and murderers. They were the perfect sample because obviously a rapist pedophile will have a skewed perspective on sexuality, yeah, you think? convincing himself that his victim finds pleasure in the act of being raped. Using a stopwatch and a ledger, they recorded their sexual experiments, systematically molesting thousands of young children under the guise of science. This research was compiled in his books, Sexual Behavior of the Human Male and Sexual Behavior in the Human Female. He said, we, I had 196 pre-adolescents under 12, and he broke them up into six categories, and fainting, convulsions, screaming, writhing, you know, striking what he called their partner, that's somebody who's raping them, okay? And they were trying to get away, but he said they enjoyed it. They definitely enjoyed it. The research in Kinsey's books were partly based on the collection of data and confessions of a Nazi pedophile during World War II, Dr. Fritz von Bajusek, who raped hundreds of children. After the war, the Nazi officer was charged and put on trial for the murder of a 10-year-old girl. They found detailed records of von Bajusek's heinous sexual acts with children, revealing his correspondence with Kinsey. Dr. Kinsey, who was fully aware of the Nazi officer's atrocities, warned him in his letters to be careful and encouraged him to continue his research. During the trial, the judge said, I got the impression that you got to the children in order to impress Kinsey and to deliver him material. To his surprise, Bajusek replied, Kinsey himself asked me for that. Now that wow. became the foundation for the sex educational structure that fed itself into what we are teaching our children right now as we sit here and speak. I venture to suggest that what we are putting into our books on this sex is Kinsey talking that what we're putting into our books on sex education today. Education today. It's based almost fully upon... So it's based almost fully upon a philosophic guess. You fork-tongued devil from the pit of hell. Yeah. And of course it was the foundation of all the changes in our laws, the sodomy laws, the abortion laws, everything else. I mean, he's there. His handprints are on everything that deals with sexuality. From all these people, he was able to tell us, quote, the truth about ourselves, uh, the truth about what we were really doing behind closed 
doors. And he lied about our fathers, my fa father's generation and grandfathers. He lied about them because he projected onto them what he himself was doing. What he was struggling with. Yes. It didn't take long for Kinsey to deceive the world with his fraudulent data, convincing us that we were sexually repressed and ignorant to the truth. First, the media drank First the Kool-Aid, and they were carefully taken care of by the Kinsey Institute to drink the Kool-Aid, okay? And then once they drank the Kool-Aid, yeah, the scientists, quote-unquote, drank the Kool-Aid, and then the legislators drank the Kool-Aid, and then the lawmakers drank the Kool-Aid, and here we are. Essentially, what Kinsey did was he changed our belief about ourselves. This change of belief naturally changed our behavior. Soon, Kinsey's ideas permeated everything in our society, from our legal system reducing the penalty for sexual crimes and legalizing abortion, the media promoting his philosophy to the educational system, teaching children his views on sexuality. What's more, the pharmaceutical industry capitalized from the sexual revolution we saw the emergence of STDs, sexual enhancers, and the morning after pill. The divorce rate soared along with sexual crime. As a people, we would never be the same again. Our innocence was lost forever. Ultimately, Kinsey's fraudulent data led to the legalization of pornography. One of the virgins in college that read Kinsey and believed him was a guy named Hugh Hefner. Okay, yeah. So he's in so college. So Hefner was yeah, an advocate for he, Well, Kinsey's. he reads Kinsey and he says, hey, everybody's been lying to me. Uh, they've all been diddling around doing all this stuff and I have been standing here being a nice guy. Forget it. He says, I will be, and I'm quoting him, Kinsey's pamphleteer. I will be Kinsey's pamphleteer. Really? So from there, he began to advocate for changes in law, and he created a magazine called Playboy, Playboy, which then he said would reflect what Kinsey had found about human sexuality in his fraudulent, in his fraudulent data. data. America was educated by a... That was the pamphleteers, the Playboy magazines going out from Hugh Hefner, who was his Pied Piper and main spokesman. And, you know, there we have the advent of the modern-day pornography movement. And only God knows what damage that's done to society. Pedophile whose work was labeled as science. Just as Darwin was the father of legitimizing evolution, Kinsey was the father of legitimizing the sexual revolution and all that's based upon that today. Sure enough, Hefner was true to his word. Not only did he popularize pornography on a global scale, he also helped to legalize it. Uh, you know, we, I want a congressional investigation of Kinsey. Uh, at some point, we may, in fact, be able to get a, a public to be aware that they've been raped. The whole nation has been raped. That is what's happened to us. We have been raped, and you cannot expect to survive a rape without a great deal of, of illness, pain, and trauma. And we've gone through it. Now we've got to find a way to, to get out of it. So whatever happened to Kinsey? Well, this glorified psychopath eventually died of a slow and painful disease called orichitis. 
a lethal infection of the testicles due to years of brutal masochistic masturbation and other vile sexual acts. Fitting. How ironic. The preacher of sexual liberation died from following his own message. Sadly, his destructive work continues to live on with his lies and, to this day, we continue to fund the Kinsey Institute with our tax dollars. Yep. Now, for any man Which who... is the basis of a lot of the... Um... I know it's it's incorporated into the psychology and, and psychiatric professions as well, which is probably a big reason why <clears throat> those, well, the psychiatry in particular has the highest suicide rate of any doctor other than maybe dentists who probably also do more damage than anyone else due to fluoride and mercury fillings and um, <clears throat> root canals and un things that are uh, highly, uh, very, very dangerous procedures that you know they tell you not if you don't believe me just email me I'll, I'll send you a file on things like things like that in the uh, dental industry trapped in pornography he must first realize that the root of the problem is based on a lie a lie by Kinsey and a lie from the enemy of his soul you need to realize you've been duped you've been suckered because ultimately Kinsey's purpose was to remake man into his image, mm -hmm. which really wasn't a pretty one. Child molester. And if you if you're a man in particular, because this is typically things that men do, but not to say women can't go to Winworthy Mass Deliverance, do that Mass Deliverance, uh, that can produce amazing changes in a person. Um, and it's it's on YouTube. It's at the end of part one and then the, all of part two. And then if you feel still feel like you're struggling after you've done it three or four times, then go up to the YouTube and key in uh, deliverance, pornography, lust, stuff like that. And there's specific things, uh, deliverance things that you can find and just kind of research and see which one, however the Lord leads you, and you can do specific deliverances for that. The reason I say do the wind whirly thing is because it's like unpeeling a layer of an onion, and you, you really need to get the outer layers first, and then the um, the deeper ones will be, it's easier to deal with the deeper ones. If you don't start with a baseline, though, like the wind whirly mass deliverance, it's much harder to just go in, and, and if you're dealing with big-time strongholds, you might have layers upon layers above that that you're trying to deal with so um <clears throat> you can avail yourself to that if you like now the next one i'm, I'm really trying to keep myself from getting angry because i that that really all i can think of is god make you make me your battle axe and weapon of war when i see that garbage and i see the damage that maggot did and has done to humanity all the rapes that have occurred all the sexual perversion that was condoned. And again, <clears throat> Kean's uh, sexual prohibitions or sexual in the keyword search box at uh, contendingfortruth.com. He's done a whole teaching on what that is, the actual true definition of sodomy, which is not just men with men. Sodomy is any unnatural, unnatural sex act, which includes oral sex among married couples still considered sodomy that was the original now i understand you can say in the bible no they were sodomites no i'm talking about the actual encompassing definition of sodomy what it was always known to be from biblical times on till now which are unnatural sex acts and 
do a whole teaching on that. Also on contraception, what I had said earlier, just getting contraception in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I did a whole uh, teaching on that as well. Uh, this next report is Portland's teen pro prostitutes. And uh, we'll go ahead and roll this one. It is known as one of the most beautiful and livable cities in America. <laughs> Thanks to the numerous strip joints and massage parlors, Portland, Oregon has also earned the nickname Pornland. What a lie from the pit of hell that is. It's, it's a wasteland of evil from every person I've talked to recently. So, but anyway. And it is also an epicenter for child prostitution. Many of the working girls, some young enough for middle school, are not kidnapped. They're not runaways. They're tricked into walking the streets in exchange for clothing, jewelry, or just human love. Sharon Alfonsi reports for our series, Nightline Investigates. They call it the track. On any given night, it is littered with prostitutes and strippers. But a lot of these girls probably aren't who you think they are. How old are these girls? I have seen them as young as 12. Kids turning tricks before they're old enough for high school. Not runaways or junkies, but little girls lured from suburban shopping malls and small towns to here. Hey, I'm a whore. that, it's embarrassing. You think I'm like this? Not really. Portland, Oregon. Often voted one of the most livable cities in America, it is now a national hub for child sex trafficking. I went to a strip club and danced or whatever. And you were how old? 13. Katie is one of them. We agreed to disguise her appearance. She's been forced to work as a prostitute since the seventh grade. How much were you working? Pretty much every night, but it's like Sundays. And it all started here at this mall in downtown Portland. She says she met some boys who invited her and a friend to a party in the suburbs. Did it seem like a normal party? Yeah, I mean, like, there was like a whole bunch of people just drinking, dancing, having fun. I mean, I didn't go to parties like that. Like, that was my first, like, party party, so I was like, you know, it seemed pretty normal. But it wasn't a normal party. It was a setup. At the party, she was introduced to an older guy. He started taking her out, buying her things. What was he buying you? I had, like, purses and shoes and, like, outfits and, like, just weird stuff like that. Was he, like, a boyfriend at that point? Yeah, I guess you could say, like, yeah. But soon, he told Katie he was having financial trouble and suggested she dance just once at a strip club. Even bought her an outfit and pumps. Had you walked in heels before even all this? Um, you know, like, little heels to go to church because I was big on church before this. When you go on stage, you're 13 years old. I mean, you're looking around at these guys. How old are the guys? What are they doing? She went from, from church to, to being on a stripper pole because of this one devil. So be very vigilant of, of your children, is, is all I can tell you, and ground them in the Word of God. To me, my dad or my grandpa, it was, like, kind of disgusting. But, you know, I, like, told him... On my first night, I wanted to go home, but he's like, you know, you can't go home till your shift's over and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't work here. And he's like, what do you do now? Like, so I pretty much just like walked right into a trap. Sergeant Mike Geiger heads Portland's sexual assault detail. He says it is a classic case. Cute young girls are being targeted by pimps. 
They look for them in the malls. They look for them on MySpace and Facebook. They look for them in the schools. They look for them walking around downtown or in the parks, and they strike up a friendship with them. And the tactic that they use is they work to identify kind of what their needs are. How's it going at home? And then they will then use the information that this child is giving them, and then they will become their rescuer. I can fix all that. I can give you a place to stay. You're way too mature to be treated like that. You know, I can get you nice clothes and take care of you. And, and then suddenly they're sort of lavished all these goods and affection and everything, and they think, wow, this person really cares about me. And, then and the, the trap is sprung. They might say to you, like, you know, I lived through more than most four-year-olds have lived through. And, they're, you know, they're just kind of acting, like, tough. And then they'll say, like, I really love Justin Bieber. Esther Nelson is a victim's advocate. She says she sees girls from all over the country brought to Portland. People have been tied up with saran wrap and then gang raped by 15 people. We're talking about 13-year-old girls and then left in hotel rooms without food or water for days. People are branded with their pimp's insignia or their pimp's logo on their bodies and they're treated like animals or like objects. Why here? Portland has more than 100 strip joints and massage parlors the largest legal commercial sex industry per capita in the nation, bigger than even Vegas. Ripe for destruction. The whole West Coast, I mean, there's just so much wickedness and evil. From Seattle to Portland, down to L.A., and on everything pretty much, San Francisco and everything, particularly on the coast, I mean, just ripe for God's destruction. We have a very vibrant sex industry that's considered legitimate and where you find legitimate sex trade you also find the exploitation of children because the, the sex industry is really built on the exploitation of vulnerable people. An underage girl can make a thousand dollars a night for a pimp but those girls rarely see a penny. And that's her when she's nine holding her little brother. Ruth Roberts says her daughter had a nearly picture-perfect life. I was a single mom so I was working really late at night and I was making a six-figure salary, and I mean, my daughter was getting A's and B's. And, I mean, she didn't need anything. She didn't want anything. We had money. We had a good house, good life. But there was one thing her daughter did want. She was 15, just starting high school. Her dad and I were divorced, and uh, her dad got a girlfriend a couple years older than my daughter. So my daughter... She, her dad got a... 17? She was 15? Really? Listen, <sighs> wanted to be with him all the time. You told him what? You said if you're not around. She's going to go find a father. And she figure. Did. She did. So she told her if you're not around to the dad, she's going to go find a father. And she did. And this is why it's so incredibly important. And I'm not saying it's not incredibly important with boys either, but with girls, it's very incredibly important that they have a loving, strong, biblical father figure. Because if you drop the ball as a dad in that particular department, there is an extremely high likelihood that your daughter will end up go seeking that male um, validation for, like, from a father, but they're going to seek it in, in, a, in the only other way they know how, and that's... A lot of times they're going to end up with some older guy that's more than happy to, you know, use them and abuse them and uh, to uh, manipulate them and beguile them. And that's why it's so important, you know, 
for girls in particular in that regard because that it's a statistical fact they've done surveys on that where you know a, a father figure particularly a loving biblical father figure in a girl's life is is a gigantically important issue for girls especially in today's day and age where you've got all of this garbage where you know i gotta look this way or i gotta um all this competition on social media and there's all of these things you know getting them to think that my self-worth is tied to this but if a dad is there like my daughter taylor she has no she has no daddy issues at all she knows i love her she has no and she's she is very um she's a very in a lot of aspects very amazing person because of that i mean she has no daddy issues guaranteed never had to worry about if i loved her or if i didn't have her back or if i wasn't there for her and in or that i wouldn't die for her you know no problem i need to die for my daughter i'm gonna die for my daughter whatever <laughs> absent from the bodies to be present with the lord and she knows that she knows that um i gladly die for her and uh and she was just telling me yesterday how badly she wants to get on the mission field and how she wants to suffer persecution because she's like we don't know we don't have a clue she's working with some people and, and they're going to go on a mission trip soon and the one guy's i guess is going to indonesia where i guess they're almost all muslims and christianity's essentially outlawed or proselytizing is outlawed and um he's going to go over there it's very i mean you're kind of risking your life that's what she wants to do she, she's like my biggest she told me last night she said my i think the best thing i could possibly probably do for god would be to go over there to one of these countries like that and and die on the mission field and while saving others i'm, I'm, I'm not lying she told me that like she's told me this to me several times she's not here right now she wouldn't want me to say that on air because she really doesn't taylor's probably like the most low-key not want to draw attention to herself over something like that person ever she's just not like that at all you know and i brought her up you know in uh you know in the church and i had her in awana for um man i don't even it was a good few years and she earned every single badge you could earn in awana which is like the christian club where a lot of it's me scripture memorization and a lot of it's you know physical stuff activities but she earned every on her little vest i think we still have it she earned every single little merit badge she knew so much scripture at an early age and i i really feel like that established a, a really good foundation um with her that that has persisted and that's why the bible says if the foundation be destroyed what can the righteous do if a little girl grows up and she doesn't have a loving father figure or, or even if she has a father figure and he's not in her life and he acts disinterested in this type of stuff, she's going to go seek that affection elsewhere a lot of times. So, anyway, this is a, I know it's a gut-wrenching video, but I'll, I'll roll the rest here. It's only another minute and a half. Turned out to be a pimp. She was walking the streets. He would put her in um, shoes that were too small. She had blisters this thick when I saw her a month later. Um, he wouldn't let her come in unless she had money. He would leave her out freezing in the cold. And, and she was from a home where she had everything. Her mother was making six figures. Her dad was just absentee and, and wanted to de uh, wanted to uh, basically, um, you know, have sex with a 17-year-old. 
he wanted an upgrade from from his wife. That's what you know. A lot of times they call him upgrade. I'm not calling it that, but they are. I mean, th- this lady, she's a pretty lady, you know. But he had to have better, evidently. He had had to have his upgrade. And in, you know, I don't have any use for men like that. I, I just don't. I just don't. I mean. What not only what he's doing to the seventeen-year-old he's dating, but what he's doing to his own daughter—how the, the marriage was ripped apart because of this—it's very common, you know. And I'm not saying all the women are are, are you know innocent either. It's just uh, this is one of those issues that I, I I just don't have a lot of tolerance for. Um, and you look at the fruit of it, what it produced. Um, he would make her have sex with all of his friends. And how old was she? 16. Ruth says her daughter was, quote, rented to men on Craigslist. 20 seconds after her posting went up, the phone started ringing off the hook. Ruth says she spent her life savings trying to save... There's legions and legions of perverted devil men out there that want to have sex with, with you know, a 15-year-old or a 13-year-old or, or whatever they're advertising. I mean, you talk about no fear of God. I just... I just don't know how much more God's going to put up with. I really don't. I, I, it's, it's an absolute miracle God hasn't rained down fury and judgment on this wicked nation and on where this type of stuff's going on. I can't even comprehend it. Her daughter and convince her to leave prostitution and Portland behind. She was too afraid to leave, too afraid of her pimp. She says that um, she got handcuffed to the um, steering wheel of a car while um, her pimp went into a house and said, I have to take care of something. And he came back in the car, bloody head to toe, changed his shirt, and they went out to eat. She didn't see killed somebody. Today, Ruth believes her daughter is no longer working as a prostitute, but every day she is fearful. And when you don't hear from her for weeks and months at a time. I just thought she got into the wrong car. She's laying in a ditch somewhere. Katie did escape from her pimp. She had to wait months for shelter, but she is now far away from Portland, and she hopes to stay away. For Nightline, I'm Sharon Alfonsi in Portland. So we have that, which is very common, very, very common thing, you know, to be praying about as well. A lady a lady commented on the video, and she said... Uh, I feel so bad for these girls. My heart goes out to them and it breaks for them. And the worst part is the pimps are not being charged for having child pornography, slavery, kidnapping, not paying their taxes. The law does nothing. They're allowing them to be child molesters and pedophiles. The client should be charged with sleeping with a minor statutory rape. Yeah, I couldn't agree you know, more with what she's saying here. Uh, and they should be charged with being a pedophile and child molester. But the law does nothing until the law upgrading charges until the law is upgraded and charges nothing will be done to save these girls it's sick it's disgusting these pedophiles are getting away with being child molesters and the bottom line is it doesn't matter what their parents did or didn't do or how great a parent they are or how terrible they are at being a parent it doesn't excuse these men for sleeping with these children all these men are a bunch of child molesting devils and i threw that in and they're getting away with being a child molester no it's not okay uh the law needs to press charges no matter what these men uh they need prison they're sick they're dangerous they're demon possessed 
You know, it's, 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 a, it's a spiritual answer. They're demon-possessed of the toenails. They're disgusting. They're a bunch of, of child molesters, and they are all just because um, the child has a bad home doesn't make it okay for grown men to sleep with ch children. These men need to be in prison, bottom line. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's the bare minimum of what they deserve, actually. <sighs> Next report. This is a little, this will brighten your day. Luciferian march for a one-world government taking place all over America and Canada. Now this, I, again, I couldn't get to this, but this was on July 21st of 2019. I had a listener send me this and I, I checked into it. It's, it's all legit. Um, my listener, Karen, said they're all out in the open. Be careful on July 21st. I will be praying. Only God can protect us and our loved ones from this evil. No fear of God in the land. These Luciferians know Jesus Christ as Lord in the book of Revelation in the Bible is true. But they have chosen to reject Jesus and serve Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan. This is just the tip of the iceberg of evil about to be openly practiced without any fear of reprisals in the eyes of the world. What was once kept and done in secret is now going to be done openly in public. I, she's right. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. Lord Jesus, please guide and rescue your people soon. All praise and glory to my King and Lord and Savior and Creator, God Almighty. Come in the flesh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. With much prayer, Sister Karen. I couldn't agree more, Karen. Um, their event description. This is the event description. It reads, We are the disciples of Lucifer. We are here to fulfill the prophecies of revelations in the Bible and start the foundation of forming a one-world government. We are calling on every citizen on earth to stand in support of the formation of a one-world government. So on, they know their Bible better than most Christians, it sounds like. So on July 21st, 2019, we're calling on every citizen of the earth to start marches all over the place in support of forming a one-world government. Where does it start? It starts with you. How can you help? Create your own chapter in your own town. Uh, you can plan marches, spread the word of forming a one-world government. Tell your friends, your family, your co-workers, and random people on the streets uh, that it's time to form a one-world government is now and to, and to fulfill the prophecy is now. <laughs> They really care about the Bible. That you got to give them that. Um, help do your part to support the formation of a one-world government. Make events uh, for July 21st. Pass out flyers. Tell everyone you know to support the formation of a one-world government. We will be meeting at Kauai County Building. This is in Hawaii. On July 21st at 2 p.m. Be sure to bring all your CNI flags. <laughs> oh, you're all knowing CNI flags. And signs saying support a one world government lucifer is love lucifer is life i'm not making this up this is real and i my comment was boy um they really are insane uh these luciferians w when they say we're here to fulfill the the prophecies of revelation as the end of the luciferians is laid out very clearly in revelations if we go to revelation 1920 and um it says and the beast which was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And then the Bible says, And whosoever, in Revelation 20.15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So they want to fulfill these prophecies? Are they out of their minds? Well, they are. They're ignorant of scripture evidently and uh totally out of their minds now i tried to look this up online to see um 
where it was being promoted, and I was shocked as this was going on all over the United States on Sunday, July, which was last Sunday, July 21st at 2 p.m. And again, there's there was one Luciferian march for one world government in Washington, D.C., Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, San Marcos, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, Farewell, Texas, Henderson Field, Midway, I told Midway, where they had the Battle of Midway in World War II. Okay. Um, Los Angeles, California, White Horse, Yukon Territory, I believe. Uh, Cloudcroft, New Mexico, and then many, many more. I couldn't list them all. I couldn't list them all. So, uh, that's going on. Here's, here's another report. Uh, this was, this is on, uh, normal local news. And it says her eyes were completely black. Virginia family fends off naked woman who claimed to be the devil. Chesterfield County, Virginia. Um, a Chesterfield family spoke with eight news on Friday after fending off a naked intruder who broke into their home on, on South Twilight Lane the night before. The intruder claimed to be the devil and attacked the family, prompting the homeowner to fire 39 rounds of ammo. The incident, I, it doesn't say if any of those hit her. But if they did, she's she's tough old girl. That's all I can say. The incident was a traumatic experience for the Lewis family's first night in their brand new home. First night they were in this home. Huh. Now, I gotta think that there's something with that home that some real demonic activity is being attracted there. Their first night this happens? Come on. Um, she was, Melissa Lewis said she was in to kill us, end of quote. And quote, that was her, that was her almighty to kill us, whatever that means. She attacked us and held, and I held her down and just kept punching her and punching her as hard as I possibly could. I mean, these girls that they're showing here, they don't look like, they look like, kind of like, redneck girls and like they look like they know what it's like to fight i'm just saying okay i'm just observing things with my eyes i'm not nothing derogatory against them they just look like they probably know it i mean obviously if she held her down and they kept punching her and punching her as hard as i could they're probably familiar with fist fighting i'm just it's just a hunch and um the Lewis dream home now looks like a war zone with blood soaked into the, the carpet, the walls, the, widow, the windows riddled with bullets, shell casings scattered all over. I said, who are you? Lewis's husband said, who did not wish to go on camera, explained. And she said, I need your help. Please help me. I said, get out of my house. And she goes, I'm the devil. <laughs> wow. The homeowner says the woman who had a blue ponytail broke into the basement around 10.30 p.m. on July 4th. The family said she was laughing menacingly and refusing to leave. She looked possessed. Her eyes were completely black like saucers. She was laughing like it was a joke. Lewis's husband told 8 News. We're going to see more and more of this. We're just getting cranked up. Fearing for his life, the father of three grabbed his pistol and gave a verbal warning to the woman. With his family sleeping upstairs, he opened fire on the intruder. Lewis said the woman aggressively charged at him with superhuman strength. He said she was not stopping. Uh, she had the strength of four grown men. Well, she was demon-possessed of the toenails, and that's what can happen. When, when he ran out of bullets, Lewis began throwing furniture at her. Now, here's the thing. Did he hit her any of these bullets? Was she being demonically protected? Because I have heard of that before. 
that, that there are witches and warlocks and stuff that have spirits that will protect them from bullets and things like that. And these people don't sound like they're Christians. So I don't know. Maybe the bullets were, I don't know, being deflected or, I mean, I don't know. I mean, um, but then he began throwing furniture at her. His wife and children eventually jumped in and attempted to stop the woman. The intruder didn't stop until one of the children, the Lewis's 12-year-old son, shoved a wrench into her neck. <laughs> Whatever that means. Police arrested the intruder, and she's being treated and evaluated at the hospital. How could she have lived through that? But, okay. Um, the Lewis family is left with bruises and bite marks. Man, you'd really want to take a full bottle of silver if you got bit by that witch. Um, then the one person, um, M. Lewis, said that I'm scared to go in there. I won't even go into any room by myself. I'm terrified. That's going into their own house. Which, again, really, I, I, I got to believe there was something going on with this house. Uh, detectives told the family that the suspect lives nearby and will eventually be charged with robbery, breaking, and entering an attempted murder. She is currently in ICU with severe head trauma. Her eyes were completely black. Yeah. yeah I talk, we talked about black-eyed children and black-eyed beings. Sometimes... Um, that it may be pure demon possession that could be causing it. Um, sometimes it's that they're now again, like the, the Jasmine, the black eyed witch that tried to kill me. She sent me that picture of herself and she said basically, with the, with the caption, you know, hi Scotty, we, we haven't forgot you, and this is what I look like in my normal form. So, I don't know if you had one of the one of those cases going on where one of these black-eyed beings, these Nephilim-type creatures, um, went nuts and uh, broke into their basement and just went gonzo and did all of this. It's it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to be dogmatic. All I can really do is speculate on what's going on here. But you know, you get into a situation like this, you know, you you need to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to rely on the full armor of God, the sword of the spirit, the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, I I've I've I beg God for for like something like this to happen to me. I mean, not not necessarily coming to my house, but let's let's because they've tried to kill me in my house many many times. But I mean, you know, let's do it like men. Let's do it one on one. I don't even care how many of them there are. I really could care less. There could be a thousand of them. I don't care. I, and I mean that as God is my witness. I don't care. God is bigger than all him. And just like they were talking, that preacher was talking about in that battle, you know, um, where they kept paring and paring and paring and paring down um, all the men. And, and God whittled the original amount of people down to go to battle from 32,000 to 300 of Gideon's men. And the reason I believe God did that is because there was no other, there was no other, um, if 32,000 men had went against the enemy there and one then you could say well we did it by our own might but when 300 goes against thousands and thousands of people then you know it's god in other words if you're in a situation like that and you're going against overwhelming numbers and let's say you're by yourself but the thing is is that we don't see all the angels around us we're not, we're not, I mean, unless God gives us eyes to see, like, I believe it was like Elijah, you know, showed the servant, all the angels that were, there were many as Elisha, I'm getting those two confused, but, um, 
we don't know all the angels that are there with us and the full armor of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ and all of our, all, all of our weapons of warfare. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at myself to, you know, defeat legions of Nephilim or black-eyed children or cryptozoological creatures, but I know God's perfectly capable of it. And I know that the less people are involved, the more glory he's going to get. I just hope when it starts to happen, it, whoever's doing it, um, if it's whoever is, is privileged enough to be in that position, that uh, they get it on tape. Because can you imagine how many people would get saved if they saw something like that? On, and you got it on tape? You know, because, you know, let's say something happens to me and I go out and this, let's say theoretically, my, that scenario that I just brought, and it happens. But if I don't get it on tape, then it's just my word. And my listeners might believe me, but the world's not gonna. They're gonna see this guy's got, you know, he's just trying to generate money for his ministry or whatever, you know. But if it's on tape, it's on video, or there's multiple eyewitnesses, even better, on top of video. Now there you got a situation where God can really be glorified and great fear would fall upon many, many and a lot of people would get right with God because they'd see who has the real power. Because Satan acts like he's got all the power and he's the one that's, you know, big and bad and, and, and you know, I don't buy that for a second. My God created the universe. They can't, they can't top that. Satan can't top that in any way, shape or form. So, um, um, just... You know, understand this This is going to become more and more commonplace as wickedness increases. These black-eyed beans. You know? Um, Taylor saw, when she was at a park, I think I told this story, it wasn't, I don't know, it was probably four or five years ago, and she saw, she was at this park here in Hickory, and she saw this little girl that was just storming toward her with this look of like she wanted to kill Taylor. She had totally black eyes. And her two friends that were with her, they didn't, they didn't even notice the girl. They didn't notice her at all. It was almost like she had a spell on everybody. And her parents were just following her like the little four-year-old or five-year-old girl was the one in charge. I don't know. Maybe she was six or seven. I don't know. But she was little. She had totally black eyes. Um, Taylor's seen a lot of stuff. She's, she's very, very, very spiritually intuitive. I don't have that, that gifting like Taylor's got, but she's got some serious intuitive spiritual giftings that like when I'm going to battle and, and when these witches and stuff like this are trying to get in here, she's very in tune a, a lot of, most of the time to what's going on. She has the ability to feel their emotions and their rage and their anger, um, and uh, I think everybody's got different giftings and, gift and different callings, you know. And um, she's like my little watchdog in that regard. I don't mean to belittle her, but I'm saying in that regard, she's like, you know, I don't have it. Or I'm not saying God can't give it to me. And I'm not saying I can't sense evil ever. But I think that certain people have it at higher levels. They have certain... The, the Bible says the, gift and, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, so you can have people with giftings um, 
whether they're whether they are right with God or whether they're not right with God, and they still have those same giftings. Now they may not be operating in near high of a level as they would be if they were right with God, but when God gives you a gift, you know, it's up to you to cultivate it or not. So, um, all right, and let's go further here. Uh, this report, actual demonic energy now channeling out of drag queens as humans act like creatures from hell right in front of children. The Renton Public Library in Renton, Washington recently held a so-called teen pride event that featured a deranged, gender dystrophic young, young man dressed like a woman. I wonder, I think, I wonder if this is the place where they had the snipers on the roof to keep out the Christians. Pretty sure it is. Yeah, because they were going to kill the Christians if they tried to come in. I'm not lying. I just reported on this not too long ago. Snipers. Snipers. And one of the guys went to jail. I, you know, I guess they're fortunate they didn't get a, a 223 in their head. You know. So, um, that's a caliber around a bullet. Anyway, um, this devil got down on all fours and started roaring incoherently like a demon from hell. This is, be, this is the latest installment of the satanic LGBTQ propaganda aimed at America's impressionable youth. This bizarre drag queen was part of a pride celebration designed by teens for teens, which according to the advertisement that appeared in the Renton Public Library website also featured safer sex presentations, a drag show, free swag, and a free binder raffle. In case you're unfamiliar with what a binder is, it's a device that a transgender man, meaning a woman pretending to be a man, can use to flatten his breasts in order to make him look more masculine. At the Renton Public Library Teen Pride event, chest binders were handed out to help self-hating girls mutilate their own bodies. According to activist Kaylee Triller Harms, who spoke out against the horrors that she witnessed, Breast binding is associated with no less than 28 serious physical adverse side effects and 97% of young women report experiencing these side effects and yet continue to bind, meaning use the chest binder. How sickening. I didn't even know these things existed. Um, a few of the harmful effects of breast binding are fractured ribs, collapsed lungs, and permanent breast and rib deformities. Well, you know, it's a win-win for Satan. On her Twitter page, Harms posted a video clip of the drag queen at the event. And there's a there's a link here. I don't advise you watch it, but there is a link here in the PDF. Uh, they posted a list of the drag queen portion of the event, which depicts the young man in drag literally morphing into what would appear to be some kind of creature from hell. One can only imagine the demonic energy that was released into the room during the stunt. Yeah, you don't know, even know what's going on on a spiritual level. The demons flowing into the children and, you know, that type of thing, unless God protects them. This is what demonic possession looks like, Harms commented. Um, below the clip that she shared, encouraging viewers to watch it all the way to the end. I know a lot of y'all don't believe in the spiritual realm, but thanks for bearing with me anyway. In my opinion, this is it. Uh, on all fours, growling, and at a teen pride event at a public library. Our tax dollars again at work. Hardworking tax dollars at work. In addition to handing out chest binders and exposing young and innocent children to the demonic drag queen demon, the teen pride event organizers also handed out flyers about pre-exposure prophylaxis or PREEP, a pharmaceutical that when taken daily is supposed to reduce one's risk of getting AIDS when having sex with HIV positive people, which they have condoned and have made legal in California and encouraged. And they have. They, there's legislation that's already passed from what I saw. Activists from the so-called Lifelong Alliance for AIDS were on site to push PREEP, pre -EP, this um, pharmaceutical, 
to that may reduce your risk of getting AIDS. There's no guarantees. I mean, but it's worth it. I mean, you know, to to have unprotected sex with AIDS AIDS people, um, people that have AIDS, you know. But this might help your chances a little bit. Uh, the Lifelong Alliance is raking in about $22 million annually from government grants and fees in order to do so. Again, our hardworking tax dollars at work. Representatives from abortion giant Planned Parenthood, who's also getting our tax dollars, were also in attendance at the Renton Public Library's teen event, during which they handed out personal lubrication and flavored condoms to children. Yeah. Meanwhile, adults who were not accompanying teenagers were reportedly told by library personnel they had to leave the premises before the teen pride event began. The adults did. Okay. One woman by the name of Lynn Mieger says that she was physically removed by police after refusing to leave. I mean, is any of this even comprehensible? This level of wickedness? Oh God, make me your battle axe and weapon of war. I, I don't even know what to pray anymore other than that. Please, Lord, rain down fury on this wickedness. That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God that they would wisely consider of your doing and that the righteous would be God and the Lord and trust in you and all the upright in heart would glory like Psalm 64 says. Oh, man. So she was, Lynn Mieger was physically removed by police after refusing. So the police are there to make sure that no adults are in there. That, that everything that's going on there the pure brainwashing that's being going on by the drag queens and all of this other wicked stuff that we've mentioned that no there no adult supervision how is that even remotely legal how, how but this is the new brave new world we live in welcome to 2019 when protecting kids from being prematurely sexualized can get you potentially arrested harms commented about how mieger was treated maybe she should have claimed to identify as a 14 year old um harms further joked to help support nationwide effort to stop lgbtq indoctrination of the society's most vulnerable be sure to sign life site news life petition there's a link here now remember they're catholic so you know but they're one of the few ones going after this and to end uh, but i don't want you to be yoked up with you know catholicism though because i've done tons of teachings on that but Anyway, to end all drag queen story hours and teen pride events in American public libraries. Believe it or not, there is a well-orchestrated subversive plan being promoted by the American Library Association to promote a phenomenon known as drag queen story hour to small town America libraries in order to capture the imagination and play of gender fluidity of childhood and give kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models, the petition explains. Uh, so there's more, a whole bunch of more resources here at the end of this report. I got this from a listener, and uh, from Neil. Listener comment: Annie Christ, the drag queen. Annie Christ, A N N I E. God sent a photo of on WhatsApp today. I know you have heard of this demon, but I thought I would pass this picture on to you. They say a picture speaks a thousand words. And uh, it shows this picture of this antichrist drag queen who couldn't look more like a devil straight out of the pit of hell. He's got four or five horns on his head. And he's in a dress. And he couldn't look any more creepy or scarier if he tried. Couldn't. Okay. And reading the kitties, these little kitties, a story. The drag queen story hour. And then next to it, he has the picture of... Um, 
the Baphomet thing, the statues they're putting out in front of the state capitals where you've got, you know, um, the Baphomet, the goat of Mendez, with two, with one little girl and um, a little boy adoringly looking up at his goat head, um, flanking him, the statue, and then and then his throne with uh, the upside down pentagram um, next to him. So uh, this is this is where we're at in the world, and I guess the the screenshot has some Bible verses. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even know. Even now, are there many antichrists by which you know that it is the last time? Well, it's firmly, firmly the last times. The guy reading the book to the kids, his name is actually Antichrist. Um, as I mentioned several times in the past, our children are being targeted. This isn't some joke or fantasy. It's happening right before our eyes. The question is, what will you do? Then we have this, this video. Um... California forcing pastors to embrace the LGBT. So they're the, the 501c3 pastors are caving in and embracing the LGBT. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play this video here. This is from uh, Liberty Council, um, lc.org. Pastors in California are being targeted to adopt the LGBT agenda. On Monday, the California State Assembly passed a resolution directing religious leaders in the state to promote homosexual and transgender lifestyles as normal. The measure, called ACR 99, also calls attempts to change unwanted same-sex attraction or gender confusion unethical and harmful. And joining us now is Roger Gannam, Vice President of Legal Affairs with the Liberty Council. Welcome, Mr. Gannam. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. First of all, what can you tell us more about ACR 99 and this push to force clergy to promote the LGBT lifestyle? Well, this is a terrible resolution, and it's really uh, it's a slander against the church. It's a slander against Christian counselors. Uh, and maybe most importantly, it's a slander against the thousands of faithful people who have found deliverance from unwanted same-sex attraction and gender confusion uh, by seeking out this kind of counseling. Uh, so this resolution is, it's bad all the way around. It's my personal opinion, you can get all the counseling in the world, but if it doesn't involve deliverance, if you've got same-sex attraction, unless God does it another way, because I'm not saying all deliverance is cookie cutter. I mean, I think that there are people that have fasted for periods of time and not really went into it to, to do deliverance per se, but during fasting and prayer, they were delivered. So there are other ways you can be delivered. I'm just saying the most direct way is to address the spirits directly. And that's why I talked about the Win Worldly Mass Deliverance and then other specific ones you can do. I mean, counseling is great, but it's not going to take the demons out of you guys. Which is, the, everything that we're talking about today involves demon infestation typically on one level or another. So you got to get at the root. If you don't get at the root, it's just window dressing. You're just you're just gonna prune the 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 um the tree the wicked tree, but the tree's gonna just keep growing. Or bare minimum, you're just gonna keep it pruned, but the tree's still there. The 800 pound gorilla is still in the room. And uh, just as an example, uh, it blames the church and religious leaders for the high rates of suicide among those who identify as LGBT. That's simply a false claim. Uh, it cannot be backed up empirically. And yet this resolution states it as if it's a fact. 
Uh, and of course, the problem we have here uh, is that we have uh, Christian leaders who are endorsing this statement uh, and, and joining in this, uh, this, this falsehood. And so uh, it's a really bad resolution uh, for the state of California, and it certainly is a, is a foreshadowing of worse things to come. And I understand that more than two dozen doctors, counselors, Christian counselors, former homosexuals, and Christian leaders have signed a letter condemning this resolution. What can you tell us about that? Well, that's absolutely right. Uh, some of the signatories on that letter are our own clients who are Christian counselors who have helped uh, thousands of people uh, overcome and reduce unwanted same-sex attractions and, and gender confusion. Uh, and the point that they're trying to make is that, look, we have a track record. We have actual patients and clients who have benefited uh, from, from therapy to help them with their unwanted attractions. Uh, we've helped them change their lives. We've helped them to, to live uh, heterosexual uh, lifestyles with strong and healthy marriages. And so it's really a, a slander against them to, to say that this practice is somehow unethical or harmful. Uh, and what we have to be aware of is this use of the term conversion therapy. Uh, it's a political term, and it's really a euphemism that's intended to evoke images of, of involuntary shock treatment in a church basement or something ridiculous like that, that, that even if it ever happened, which is doubtful, it certainly isn't happening in 2019. Uh, so the whole idea here is to make illegal uh, the very idea that change is possible. Uh, and that's what's so dangerous about a resolution like this, because even though it doesn't have the force of law, uh, it, it lays a foundation for future laws to come, uh, which ultimately could make it illegal to even have these conversations in a counseling room uh, with someone who really wants to change. Well, you certainly are, are really talking about the very next question I was going to ask you about the threat that this resolution poses to the rights of Christians in California and possibly, you know, down the road in other states. That's absolutely right. We've already seen the proposed bill from the same assemblyman, Evan Lowe, which would have made it illegal uh, for anyone to provide uh, this kind of counseling or even sell books about it. Uh, for some reason, uh, Assemblyman Lowe withdrew that bill last year, even though he had the votes to pass it. Uh, so this resolution is perhaps a, an incremental approach to getting to the same goal, which is to make it illegal to have a conversation in a counseling room that tells a person that if you want to change, that it's possible. Uh, and that's what's so dangerous about it. it, it putting aside the, the blatant violation of the First Amendment, uh, it, just, uh, it just shows that the church is under attack and is the target uh, of folks like Assemblyman Lowe in California. And Dr. Kevin, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, Manoa, who is a chaplain at Azusa Pacific and the former head of the National Association of Evangelicals, he supports this resolution. What have you learned about that? Well, being as charitable as possible towards a, a Christian brother, uh, it's really disappointing uh, that he would put aside uh, the truth. He's not a Christian brother. The Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. This guy's a devil, okay? A wolf in sheep's clothing. And the Bible says that if Satan can transform into a minister of righteousness, it's no marvel that his, his ministers or his workers can be transformed into what appears to be ministers of righteousness. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But so, you know, he's not a Christian brother. But see, everybody's got to be so politically correct in today's day and age, especially when you're dealing with, you know, any kind of Christian. But because we've been so gelded and so politically correct and 
totally yoked up with the government with our 501c3 corporate statuses. Well, we got to be real careful what we say and we, we got to be, you know, tread lightly, you know. We don't want to accuse too much, but there's no backbone in the church. You know, there's, there's no re biblical rebuking of people, calling them out for their sin in this type of stuff. Or very little matter. Uh, just to, to gain some favor, or perhaps a seat at the table of this discussion, uh, everyone deserves respect in this discussion and dialogue about, uh, about what kind of counseling should be allowed uh, in California. Um, but to, to join in a document, as Dr. Minoya has done, uh, that really slanders the church and slanders good counselors and good patients, um, it's just, it's unexplainable and, it, and it's really inexcusable. Uh, and we would call on Dr. Minoya and anyone else who joined with him in, in supporting this resolution to withdraw that support uh, and to admit that it, it, it's presenting a false picture of what's actually going on with faithful Christian counselors and the thousands of people who are being helped by them. You mentioned earlier that the resolution does not have the force of law. What exactly does that mean and where does it go from here? Well, a resolution like this, it becomes part of the, the public policy of the state. And so it will be a foundation for future laws. It will be a foundation for localities, for cities and counties within California to pass their own ordinances and laws uh, against Christian counseling like this. Uh, so it, it, it creates a foundation and a starting point for future bad legislation. Uh, we've seen this happen all around the country with Christian counselors. Uh, and, and this is, we know what happens uh, from a resolution like this. And so uh, we would hope the California Senate won't adopt it, uh, but it would certainly seem that the votes are there. Wow. Finally, what can Christians do to, to stop this? I mean, what are you encouraging people in, in the state of California to do? Well, that's a really good question. And, and our first answer, of course, is to pray for, uh, for guidance for these legislators uh, pray for uh, for the Christian counselors and the churches that are being affected by this. Um, but it also it teaches us that that elections matter. Being involved in, in politics uh, for the Christian uh, is vitally important, especially at the local level, because this resolution will be taken by local city councils and county commissions, uh, and who knows what kind of mischief they can accomplish using this resolution as a justification. So being involved with what's going on locally is vitally important for Christians, in addition to prayer and, and in addition to, to supporting the Christian counselors in their community and supporting the pastors in their community who are willing to stand against this kind of resolution. Excellent advice. Roger Gannam, thank you so much for your time and for your insights today. Okay, so we have that. Now, continuing with this thought, uh, the next report, as the gay mafia uses their legal club to beat Christian universities into submission, Colleges nationwide are throwing in the white flag of surrender to progressive tyranny. Christian colleges made a Faustian bargain, and now it's time to pay the devil his due. You don't win battles when there is an abundance of white flags in your arsenal, but Christian universities have, haven't grasped that concept. One after the other, Christian schools have hoisted the white flag of surrender regarding their practices, policies, um, and precepts. That's called apostasy. Last month, the California passed a resolution calling on religious leaders to affirm homosexuality and transgenderism and to accept the Christian efforts to help people with unwanted same-sex attraction or gender confusion. Um, 
that they are ineffective, unethical, and harmful. Eager to please Dr. Kevin Manoia, who is when they, when the guy I'm assuming they just talked about, of Azusa Pacific University chaplain and the former head of the National Association of Evangelicals, is kissing the LGBTQ ring and genuflecting under the rainbow flag by directing pastors and counselors to reject biblical views of sexuality and deny counseling for those struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction and gender confusion. Well, what I say to him is, verily you have your reward. Verily you do, just like Jesus said, you know, to like the Pharisees and Sadducees, you know. You'll, you'll have, you'll have um, you know, you'll have a nice life in this day and age probably until, you know, Antifa comes after you or whoever gets to you. Um, but hellfire is eternal, and you need to repent. Uh, Kevin Manoia and all your ilk, you need to repent or hellfire awaits. And that's what I'm telling you because, you know, this manby-pamby garbage about being politically correct and not offending it. Where's it got us? Where's it got in the church? Nothing but painted into a corner like we are now. And it's because the 501c3 church wanted to yoke up with the government way back, it was in the 40s or whatever, and get their subsidies and, and have their parishioners be able to write off their tithes on their taxes and get tax breaks and then, you know, be tax exempt because they chose to get in bed with the devil with their 501c3 exemption. And, you know, it's why this is all happening to a large extent. Uh, key in 501c3 in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. And, and I've done tons and tons of studies on that. Um, here's a little cartoon and it says yes liberalism is a mental disorder and it shows this trainee sitting on the ground and and he says you can't assign my gender it's my choice i'm not adam i've decided i'm eve and then it has i guess whatever the representation of god is over here um pointing the finger at him and then he says the trainee says use the proper pronoun or you're a hater to god yeah i doubt that but uh, june is the lgbt pride month Another uh, example of a white flag went up. Earlier, Azusa had shamefully, cowardly lowered the banner of Calvary and raised another white flag of surrender after figuratively hoisting the rainbow flag of perversion. Last week, I did a national radio interview. This is Don Boyce. I've posted a lot of his articles. I, I actually met him several times. A great guy. Um, last week, I did a, na a ra national radio show dealing with homosexuality and perversion, and the host said... It's been 30 years since I've heard perversion and homosexual used in the same sentence. Isn't that sickening? Isn't that sickening? Because everybody's so politically correct. Azusa Pacific University specifically removed language that barred LGBTQ relationships. It removed the language that barred them. As part of a standing ban on premarital sex from its student handbook, according to media reports. That is the third time this Christian, quote, Christian university changed its position on gay relationships. Moreover, the Christian school with Christian professors, Christian staff, uh, so-called Christian staff, professors or whatever, and meeting in buildings built, built by Christian donors will now accept non-Christian students. What is the whole point of going, I guess, just to infiltrate? you know even further unsaved christian students infiltrating uh most christian schools require potential students to sign a clear statement that they are born again christians but not this one 
The school promises to treat everyone with Christ-like care and civility. Our values are, are unchanged. Well, not exactly. Of course, their values have changed at least three times. First, they were against the perversion. Since the school's inception in 1899, so the school's been around a long time, then they weren't against the perversion. But then, after further thought and donor pressure, they were against it. Finally, they voted to satisfy, though, the LBT, LBTQ crowd and make everyone welcome as long as they don't sodomize each other in the restrooms and they don't carry the multicolored LGBTQ flag through the dining hall naked as a jaybird. Now, he's being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but I think you get the point. The school's position is shocking, especially since APU has a Wesleyan tradition that has always put emphasis on holy living. But hey, that's old-fashioned as other biblical values, such as not fornicating, lying, stealing, or sodomizing, you know. It's fuddy-duddy stuff. About 200 students gathered on campus in support of LGBTQ students who may have been hurt as a result of the reinstatement of the ban. You know what's really going to hurt? When they plunge into hell and they burn white hot for eternity. That's really going to hurt, you know? But no, we've got to placate their little feelings and come out and show what gelded little devils we are as Christians. And we're going to gather on campus and support our LGBTQ. So that way we can all go to hell together and burn white hot for eternity. Because that's what it's really all about. I'm sorry, but if you're, if you're for this, how could you possibly be a Christian? How, how, how is this pleasing to God? Been hurting... Um, been hurting seems to be an overstatement uh, when they say they've been hurting as a result of the reinstatement of the ban. What, what is, what are LGBTQ people doing in a Christian college anyway? Why are they even there? It's just, you know, you, you can't even comprehend this. They were simply told that perversion was not permitted on campus just as fornication was not permitted. Even two professors met with the students and prayed with them. They, along with the students, should also be sent packing. Uh, the school also declared that the APU community remains unequivocally biblical in our, oh, Christian evangelical identity. Oh, really? Really? Well, you really can't say you're one thing and then totally do another. Uh, again, a tree is known by its fruit. God is not the author of confusion. A fountain can't yield both fr fresh and salt water. You can't bow the knee to God and the knee to Baal. Can't do it. So you can't say that you're remaining unequivocally biblical in the Christian evangelical identity. In order to do that, you need to be biblical. And you're not. You're not even close. This is beyond dishonest double talk since they have clearly departed from a biblical position. Of course, the schools are trying to stop the plunge in enrollment and the bleeding of the school ranks. Because, see, it's always about the money. The love of, all, the love of money is the root of all evil. So, you know ultimately money is all that really matters guys i mean you know so they're trying to stop the plunging enrollment and, and the bleeding of the school bank accounts so they give a little here and a little there and soon they have a secular school whose biblical past then embarrasses their progressive leaders apu and more than 170 other christian schools are members of the council for christian colleges and universities or cccu president shirley hogstra is dealing with a simmering or insurgency of its members because the group did not take action against two member schools who went on record to permit same-sex marriage uh couples on same-sex marriage couples on faculty and staff 
That is so disgusting. Gosh, these colleges were Goshen College and Eastern Mennonite University. So they permitted same-sex marriage um, couples on facility and staff. These are Christian colleges, and they're they're I mean they're permitting this. Schools have bailed out, bailed out of the CCCU because of the biblical apostasy of permitting schools to go soft on sodomy. And again, they're not even going by the real definition of sodomy, the full definition, I should say. Other schools are already pack up and move out of the CCCU unless charges are made by this August. Of course, the nightmare position for the universities is that the LGBTQ crowd will use their legal clubs to beat them into submission. They will lose their tax-exempt status. Oh, Satan forbid. Satan forbid. And because they got in bed with the government so long ago, now the government's their master. Because any, with anything with two heads is a monster. And if you got your right to exist from the government through your 501c3 uh, status, well, then that's what rules you. God doesn't, God's not at the head of that. He's not, he can't be. Anything with two heads is a monster. So they let that leaven come in all those years ago. And now we're seeing all this wonderful fruit. Just like Kinsey, we were talking about Kinsey, the father of the modern sexual revolution with all his perversion and pedophilia and child molestation. Now you're looking at the where that's all, the fruit of all that has come in, in all of these horrific stories that I'm reporting on now. You know, that's just the way it is though. In this day and age that we're living in but see they're afraid to lose their tax exempt status their student aid their property tax exemption and other goodies from the state and federal government hey you know sell your birthright for a bowl of pottage fine fine for 30 pieces of silver sell it because tr pretty much i'm sorry but that's what the 501c3 church is pretty much done overall i'm not saying everybody's bad but you know don't tell me that's not affecting churches on a spiritual level. We don't even know how that's affecting churches on a spiritual level when you take that status. Uh, maybe then they will only have God upon whom they can depend. You mean, meaning if they get everything taken from them, their tax exempt status, their student aid, their property tax exempt, and other goodies. Cedarville's university president, Thomas White, said that Cedarville will not compromise on biblical view of marriage good for them but we will see what cedarville liberty viola and scores of other christian universities will do if the court says you accept homosexuality or close your doors because those days are coming because you left the battlefield a long time ago you stopped mobilizing people in prayer in fasting and in 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 action against this wickedness the churches went went asleep and now we're getting to reap all this wonderful fruit because it's coming to this accept homosexuality or close your doors they're never going to be satisfied wickedness is like a fire it's never satisfied and it's never quenched you just keep feeding it with more wickedness and more compromise and it just keeps growing bigger and wanting more all these christian universities have walked the same path a path of compromise that promised more students more acceptance more prestige and government money how sickening Originally, colleges such as Harvard, Yale, Princeton, etc. were highly motivated but lost sight of their commitment to a high view of scripture. One of their first and biggest mistakes was to seek secular accreditation. Oh, my word. Yeah, because at one time, Harvard, Yale, and Princeton were Christian. Believe it or not, they were. They started out that way. But see, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Leaven is bad doctrine. Leaven is a type of sin. Leaven, leaven can be, you know, oh, well, I take this 
It's these subsidies from the government. Okay, well, now you're beholden to who you're taking money from, you know, and that's why I've never gotten compromised here in, not to say I'm perfect, but I, I haven't been compromised because I've never had to take money from outside sources. It's always been listener funded. Every, every uh, audio I've ever put out, every aspect of this ministry has all been my listeners, you know? So it's given me a, you know, I haven't had to worry about, oh, am I, I going to lose my sponsors or, or this or that? I mean, the, that's, but that's how these other colleges have to live because they've, they've given into that. Um, originally colleges such as Harvard, Yale, Princeton, etc., were highly motivated but lost sight of their commitment to a high view of scripture. One of their first and biggest mistakes was to seek secular accreditation. At least the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities were supposed to be biblical even the longtime holdout, Bob's Jones University has caved in and has joined the rush for the good housekeeping seal of acceptance in the field of education. About 90% of CCCU's member schools hold secular regional accreditation. How sickening. And this is where, you know, basically the cemetery, or I'm sorry, seminaries, which is what these schools essentially are, a lot of them, they ruin the pastors, you know. They ruin them on a lot of different levels. Take your 501c3 exemption, you know, and there's a lot of other stuff that happens. <laughs> Is it wrong for a Christian institution to surrender some of its autonomy to get a little reward? Christian colleges made a Faustian bargain to give up a little autonomy for the grand prize now, and it's time to pay the devil its due capitulate to federal demands or close your doors it is my opinion the schools will collapse like a house of cards to retain their fact their tax advantages and regional accreditation absolutely no none of the schools would fall down and worship the golden calf but they will worship the the gold of the calf if christian institutions surrender their tax-exempt status there will be no more federal handouts satan forbid again yes because see don boys has a has a comprehension of what the 501c3 status does to you that's where I met him, is through that movement. Okay? So, um, there is open rebellion on the Christian university campuses, causing rejoicing by the LGBTQ crowd, but resulting in revulsion, repudiation, and rejection by a holy God. Now, you could see my teachings here. I'll give you a link. Just contendingfortruth.com, and it's a link to all my 501c3 teachings. Or you can just key in 501c3 in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. Um and oh boy where am i at on time here uh i'm gonna go ahead and stop here because i'm i'm i don't see how i can get in this next part in under the time limit because i'm over on time and uh i've gotten four parts in probably this is probably nipping at about a total of six hours of teaching just for today so um praise the lord had good energy, and uh, I'll go ahead and just close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, this time you've given us, Lord. I pray, Lord, for you to bless my listeners, Lord, to bless the innocent, to bless the body of Christ, Lord God, to bless the persecuted church, uh, to bless the church, God, that is asleep, but to wake them up, Lord. However, whatever it takes, God, to wake up the church, God, and to wake up the church to holiness, God, to praying, to fasting, to accomplishing your will, to to um, not having the fear of man, Lord God, but only the fear of God. I pray regarding all of these wicked situations we've we've 
talked about today, God, I just pray for your holy divine intervention, Lord, that your angels would be loosed in whatever number necessary, God, to deal with every single respective thing that we talked about today and in previous studies as well. And that every devil, demon, evil entity, fallen angel, or fallen cherub that would try to hinder these angels or this prayer in any way, shape, or form, that they go to where Jesus tells them to go, until which time they then be cast into the lake of fire and that none would be able to come to take their place. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.